Welcome back. I just can't wait to tell you about this episode. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, my sister and I were doing a little bit of shopping, and in our part of Atlanta, there is a Ross, and in this Ross, you'll find a lot of things that are pretty average, but the store also has like these diamond in the rough pieces. And so for our home here in Atlanta, I found like our favorite rug for our house from here. I found like some of our favorite decor items. And it's crazy because you'll be in the store and there's a lot of like good stuff or like pretty typical stuff. But then there's just these little things that you're like, wow, I can't believe that that's here. And I can't believe that no one's bought that yet. And so I told my sister going in, okay, keep your eyes peeled. Like there is some good stuff that we've pulled from here. And as we were walking around, we were walking on the back wall where all of the art is. And I saw these two canvas paintings and I just couldn't take my eyes off of them. I just kept being like, wow, this is so cool. This is so, so cool. I love this artwork. But here's the thing. It looked a little bit more girly than neutral and sharing my home with a man, with Scott. I want always want to make sure that it's something that he likes too. And so I snapped a picture of it and I actually made that picture the background on my phone because I loved it so much. And that night when I got home, I showed it to Scott and I said, Hey, what do you think about this artwork? Do you like it? And instantly he was like, Oh, I love it. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I love it. And so I thought to myself, I have to go back. Like as soon as I can tomorrow morning, I am going to head back to the store and I'm going to see and hope and pray that this piece of art is still there. And lo and behold, I walk through the doors of Ross, run to the back, and that piece of artwork is there. It has been moved, so somebody else had been considering buying it too, but it was still there. I bought it. I brought it home. And that kind of started this whole journey of me discovering who the artist behind the piece was. And before I tell you a little bit more about who this artist is, um, I just wanted to share this little piece of information that someone told us recently. Scott and I had walked into an art gallery. We were just wandering around the downtown square and we were talking to the owner of the art gallery and we were telling him like, we are not artistic people. So how do we know what kind of art would look good in our home? And he is this high and art dealer. And he said, you know, after all these years of owning this art gallery, I think he'd owned this art gallery for something like 30 years. He said, I think that the best art for you and for your home is the one that you keep coming back to. It's that piece of art that you keep returning to that for some reason just catches your eye and catches your attention. And that canvas in that Ross made by this beautiful artist named Sabina Finn was that for me. And now I'm so happy that we have this piece of her artwork in our home. And really what it was about her work is like, I just kept being drawn to it. And so once we got the canvas, it had been secured, I brought it home. um, I started doing a little bit of research. So the packaging on the canvas was for more of like a mass media, like art distribution company. And so I went to their website and I like Googled keywords to try to find what this 
this piece, this canvas was on their website and realized through the credits that it was made by an artist named Sabina. And so I went and found her on Instagram, started following her, watched a couple of her YouTube videos and um, just looked through her Instagram. And I then felt like I fell in love with the person behind the art just as much as I loved this piece that was in my home. So I reached out to Sabina through her like info email and I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get a response. And to my great joy, Sabina responded pretty quickly. And once I shared a bit about the podcast, she said yes to coming on. And so I already told her this episode, I think is going to be a highlight for me in the life of this podcast, because it was just so humbling and encouraging and exciting to connect with her, but also just really inspiring. And it even just helped me once we finished recording our episode, just to rethink my art form, which is this podcast and the things that I get to put out into the world. So I already know that you are going to fall in love with Sabina. And without further ado, here is our conversation. Okay, everyone, like I said, I have a new friend, hopefully a new friend on this episode today. Her name is Sabina Fenn. And Sabina, I would love if you would tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do in your free time, and how did you get into becoming an artist full-time? Yeah, so nice to meet everyone. Um, I am an artist and illustrator from Toronto. I am 27 years old, and um, I... I don't know. I I guess I could start like from childhood. I was always painting and drawing. I've always kind of seen myself as an artist, even though I never thought of it as a career. Um, And growing up, it was the one thing I always felt like I was good at. But I sort of, again, just didn't sort of take it too seriously. I was like, you know, I have this fun thing that I love to do. Um, but I'll have to kind of get serious one day and crank down and find a job. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of, I guess in the best way I could describe it is I've just sort of followed my intuition over the years. I've tried to be very, um, uh, yeah, intuitive about the way that I create and really listen to what's drawing me and how, you know, the, my inspiration kind of speaks to me. And, um, that's kind of how I got started with painting, which was the sort of journey that led to me becoming a full-time artist. Um, I, in my free time, I'm really kind of a homebody slash introvert. I love to walk my dog, go to the beach, hang out with a few close friends. Um, I am pretty active. I love biking and running, hiking, anything to do with like being outdoors and in nature, especially in summer here in Canada. Um, I love to kind of be outside as much as I can. So um, yeah, just nice little outdoor activities really make me happy. Yeah. And you'll see that like as people follow your art, they'll see that come through. And like, even as we're recording, I see these huge plants behind you with these big green, beautiful leaves, which comes through a lot in your art too. So I bet that's kind of where a lot of that inspiration comes from. Definitely. I have like, we counted it the other day. I think I have over 50 plants in the house, which is like (laughs) way too much, but (laughs) I love them. Yeah. (laughs) At least for, as an artist, you kind of have the excuse, you know, it's all for inspiration and to pull from. Yeah. (laughs) And how would you describe your artistic style? When I look at your art, I definitely see like a very specific, almost like a signature to the way that you make your art. But how would you describe your style? Yeah, I would say it's very like kind of whimsical and loose and warm, colorful, happy. 
um, I try to be very joyful and kind of like create from a space that's also joyful. So I think that tends to kind of come through in my work as well. I was originally really inspired by the vacations that I was taking with my family down south. We were like seeing these palm trees and beaches and that was all coming through in my artwork and now I try to kind of captivate that with everything I see if it's a flower or you know really simple things I like to kind of bring it to life in my paintings so um yeah yeah, yeah well, I mean what are you seeing in your everyday life right now this summer that you are seeing is finding its way into your art like what in your everyday life is inspiring what you're creating yeah, um, I so for the first time I'm living in a house in Toronto and I, we have a backyard and I get to do some gardening. So that's been a huge theme oh, in my cool. artwork recently because yeah. I was living in the downtown core before I was in a condo, mm-hmm. just kind of complete concrete. Uh, so it's been really nice for me to understand how to garden and you know understanding mm-hmm. how each plant needs such a specific environment to thrive and learning about the different plants and flowers. And um, we're also living in a really nice sort of beachy neighborhood here in Toronto. Oh, so, that's a dream. <laughs> yeah, so it's been really nice to have that inspiration too. We get to go down mm-hmm. to the beach with the dog and let her swim and see people paddle boarding. And it's just such like a nice sort of peaceful vibe. So that's, I think yeah. that's definitely bringing a lot of inspiration. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I mean, this kind of blows my mind because I am not an artist with anything like in the fine arts. Like I do not practice anything with like sketchbooks or painting. And so it blows my mind to see or to imagine how something can go from an idea to being in your sketchbook to being on a phone case or a pool floaty or like the canvas that I saw in the store. Like, how does that happen? I mean, if you were to like pull back the curtain on that process, like how do you actually take that idea and run it all the way through to something that we'll get in a store? Yeah, it's a bit of a long process. Like the piece that you're talking about, I painted Mm -hmm. it, I think a couple of years ago. And um, at the time, it's just, I see something that inspires me. It, you know, brings up something. I just get in my sketchbook and I start sketching and seeing what comes out of that. And then if it's a piece that I like, I'll share it either in my portfolio or on my Instagram. And I have several different licensing deals with different companies that will bring my artwork onto different products and then in store. So um, whether it's phone cases or pool floaties or puzzles, um, people will see my work often through social media and they'll say, is this available for this product? And um, so luckily I have an agent too that kind of helps me stay organized with all that because I'm not (laughs) organized at all. But um, (laughs) yeah, so I'm not really the one sort of manufacturing these products, which is good too because I am clueless in that area. But um, yeah, so it's just kind of seeing something that sparks any sort of feeling or inspiration. And I really... Like I said, I try to be very intuitive with my creativity and sort of see like what's drawing me in and deconstruct it and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, figure out how I can translate that into something that people can look at. So that's kind of part of the process. Yeah. What what was that first moment like when you saw your art in a store, like in a major retailer or being sold in a major retail online? Like what was that moment like? It was pretty crazy. Um, I think, so there's a big store here in Canada called Indigo, and I have been working with a company called Hobry uh, on and off 
worked throughout the years to make different products. And I think the first one that I saw in store was one of the puzzles we had made. But at the same time, we were going through the pandemic. So the stores were mostly closed and I hadn't seen much up until that point. So I did like all this stuff was out there and I didn't really know where it was, but people were posting it on Instagram. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess it's, you know, getting to <laughs> Someone's people. getting it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then at one point... Um, the stores had reopened and I walked in the store and there was a huge display of these like truffle boxes I had illustrated with chocolates in them for the holidays. And I just like stood there for a minute and I felt like <laughs> looking around being like, I did that. But I, you want to like grab someone and be like, that's me. Yeah. I made that. Yeah, it was like very, um, a very surreal moment. I think, um, yeah. you know, it's funny because you're always kind of on the back end of things and it's just me here in my studio with my dog. Like yeah. I don't, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah. see people every day being like oh you're it's amazing so um seeing it in store is kind of it takes you back for a minute because you're like wow it really is out there and you know doing well so so it's a nice feeling yeah (laughs) what are a few of your favorite projects that you've done so far like when you look back at the projects in the last few years are there any that just stand out as highlights yeah um there's one that I did recently it was a huge project probably my biggest one actually I did a big um affirmation deck of cards Mm -hmm. for Hay House by Louise Hay. And that was a really nice one because for one, it taught me a lot about painting different types of people and being a bit more diverse in the types of people that I'm painting. And then also it was all about self-love. So it was a really nice project for me to work on. Each card had a different affirmation on it and I had Mm -hmm. to kind of make an illustration around that. And I think just having those affirmations around me all the time. It was a really nice reminder. Um, so that was really nice. And um, just before the pandemic, I got to work for Lana Del Rey. I did a um, uh, like lithograph print for her chemtrails uh, tour. And that was like surreal. Like just, and also yeah, just the insane. whole, yeah. yeah, the whole process <laughs> of that, it was like, okay, my agent's talking to her agent who's talking to her people. Like there was yeah. no connection between me and her, but it was right. like, just crazy that she had, I, I think she had originally found my prints in a store in Hawaii that I had sold wholesale to. So it just kind of shows you like how everything is. You just never know how it's going to connect. Yeah. Yeah. So all these different things that you work on over the years and, you know, you're not sort of sure if you should put as much effort into these things as you are, but then something like that happens. You're like, wow, you know, it really is worth spending the time on these different areas. So that was definitely a really cool one. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. It's probably surprising every time when these projects come through or these requests and you're like, is this is this real life? Is this actually happening? Because I know that there have been many days and weeks and seasons where you're just being faithful to creating art. And like you said, that intuitive piece to know what to say yes to and what not to. I bet that there have been some that felt like a dead end, but then selling to a wholesale in, or selling wholesale in Hawaii, thinking like, I don't know how this is ever going to you know, get anywhere. And now you're creating art for Lana Del Rey. Like that's just wild. That's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's nice to see how like just all these different things are sort of connected and each one you mm-hmm. put effort in is, is really worth it. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been nice. 
So I think I saw on a video that you did recently that you were encouraging that you can start as an artist at any day, any age. And you were talking about like this mixture of genes, like having the genetics for something and practice. So what would you tell someone that loves art? They love creating things, but they don't feel like they're very good at it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone is kind of good at anything without putting lots of practice in it. And what I meant by having sort of more genes to it is I think some people are able to visualize in a certain way that can benefit artists a little bit more than other people can. Like some people might be more on the analytical side versus, you know, the visual kind of creative side. Um, And I'm not like a psychologist or anything, but I do think there's a bit of a like (laughs) spectrum there that can help you. Um, That being said, I think anyone can be an artist. Mm -hmm. I think if you love something and um, like, there's no definition of what makes good or bad art. Like I think there's always going to be someone out there that's going to appreciate any form of art. So um, to anyone that, you know, is either an aspiring artist or just wants to paint but kind of gets discouraged in themselves, um, just keep practicing and try to have fun with it and let go of the pressure of being perfect. Um, when I first started my career, I was doing everything on the iPad and it was very like structured lines and very sort of perfect. And as soon as mm-hmm. I let go of that and I was like, I just want to paint and be, you know, I want to have freedom yeah. to do, you know, be loose and expressive. And as soon as I did that, I kind of built this like style that you're talking about, like this um, body of work that just felt way more like me. Um, so I think it's good to kind of notice that voice, but also let it go and just practice and um, find out, you know, what it is that is drawing you to a certain type of art. Maybe you can deconstruct it. Is it the Mm -hmm. color palette? Is it the textures or the subject matter? And it's helpful to kind of look at it in bits and pieces like that. But um, I think art is really just about expressing anything and having fun with it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have a friend and she tells a story. So she's now in her, I think maybe in her 60s. But at the time when her mother was in her 60s, she picked up a paintbrush for the very first time and she had never painted before. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe here like with the kids or whatever. And just in her 60s, she decided just to get a canvas to pick up some paint. And it ended up, she wasn't, you know, the most profound artist in the world, but it was pretty impressive. And she found a lot of joy in it. And so from her 60s onward, like through the end of her life, she created all these pieces, which is so fun now because her family has them. So even if they're not like selling out in stores or she's not, you know, seeing her art in all these different places, it just brought a lot of joy to her. And that was a really encouraging story to me to realize that you're never too old or you're never, uh, you know, not talented enough to be able to take a try at something. And like you said, to do it for the joy of it and not just for the outcome or what it might get you. I think that's huge. Definitely, yeah. I think art is definitely a very um, therapeutic sort of outlet for a lot of people. And I hear stories like that all the time too. People, you know, who had, maybe they had some um, sort of artistic capabilities as kids, but then they put it aside for their career. And Mm -hmm. then later in life, they picked up the paintbrush again. And um, I think there's really cool like magic and that of its own like finding something you're so passionate about even later in life Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah I don't think there's any right or wrong time to start anything really yeah 
Yeah. And for you as a full-time artist, like how do you navigate the pressure? I'm not a full-time artist. I mean, even this podcast is something that I do on the side. Like I have my nine to five that really pays the bills and like fuels that. But then on the side, I'm doing these kinds of fun projects. But for you having made art kind of your full-time job, how do you navigate that pressure? And even the pressure, I know I feel this sometimes of feeling like you have to keep up like on social media and create content and put this out there and put that out there like how do you navigate all of that what has that been like yeah I mean it's not easy I think um definitely like being full-time really changes your relationship to your art if you're doing Mm -hmm. anything on the side um and you sort of have a different source of income there's a sort of pressure that's taken off of your art to make money and I think that in that case you're kind of creating from a really um, authentic place like when you're making art that really feels like you and you're exploring and you're having fun and playing and there's not that pressure of you know this is my job and this has to make money so for me personally like I try to um, spend a bit of time every day with my sketchbook and to do a little bit of journaling and kind of keep cultivating my inner artist because I find um, I'm definitely sort of prone to falling into those social media traps and feeling like, you know, maybe I'm falling behind, like how are my sales now compared to last year? And if anything starts to kind of fluctuate, I can start to worry and just feel, you know, like I'm falling behind or something like that. So um, it's not easy. And I think over time, you do kind of develop the confidence of knowing that no matter what, like, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to figure it out because you've come so far and you've, you know, you figured it out this far, so you might as well keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. in a way, too, you do have to kind of set yourself up for success. And I tell people a lot, like, make sure you have good income streams that will support you. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I have three main ones, I would say. And if one of them would dry up, then I could kind of take the time to figure out how to modify it. And Mm -hmm. the other ones would support me during that time. Um, So obviously everyone's situation is very different and um, how much money you need based on your lifestyle will vary person to person. But um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's as hard as people kind of make us think it is. For me anyway, growing up, it was always that was the talk in my head like yeah it seems impossible that it only happens for a very lucky yeah. few not everyone can do it yeah right and people especially teachers they would say no you, like you need a job like there's no way you can do that and um so I was kind of had this like stuff in you know clutter in my mind for a long time where I was like what am I doing like you know people have told me all my life like I can't do this I don't know why I'm trying to do mm-hmm. this but mm-hmm. um one day it's like all the work that you've done over the last say two or three years it suddenly starts to pay off and you might not see those results right away but when you're just doing your best every day to keep plugging at it and keep building it and making sure that you're kind of staying joyful about it and following the things that make you feel good um Mm -hmm. I think that's where you can get the confidence and kind of yeah yeah the drive to keep going on a full-time basis yeah, so would that be your advice to anyone who's part-time or looking to kind of move into that full-time space? Would it be just to keep going with it and just to kind of diversify even the ways that you're bringing that income in? Yeah, I would say like see where your work fits in the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like 
being on the other side of, you know, having been part-time and then full-time, I try now to really make sure that I'm still making work that is making me happy because I think Mm -hmm. you can be full-time doing work that, you know, you can get stuck kind of doing work that you're not proud of or doing things just for the money because you feel like you have to be full-time. And what I'm trying to say is like, you don't want to be full-time doing work that you're not going to be proud of. So it's good to kind of take the time to, um, build work that you're going to be proud of and that you're going to want to do over several years. So I think it's worthwhile to just appreciate the time that you are a part-time artist, whatever that looks like for you, to like, you know, figure it out slowly. Like there's no rush, there's no pressure. If this is what you feel passionate about, you have your whole life to figure Mm -hmm. it out, right? So um, building your income streams is really good, but I would say like to make sure you're finding things that will keep you happy over the long term is the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's perfect. And on the flip side of that, for those of us who have friends who are artists or who have an artist like you that we find on Instagram or in a store, like how do we show support in a way that really makes a difference for our friends or for just an artist that we love and admire? Yeah, I think um, for one thing, like I don't think you should ever feel the need to um, contribute financially. Like there are so many things that you can do that are helpful that don't involve, you know, if you can't afford to buy their work or anything like that. Um, Sharing their artwork is very helpful, whether it's with your friends in person or in stories on Instagram or, you know, Pinterest, or if ever you hear someone talking about decorating their space, you can mention, oh, Mm -hmm. my friend, you know, does this. Or um, if you hear about like a market going on of some sort, you can send it their way. Um, But also I think, it really it's really helpful when um, friends are sort of respectful and understand how much goes into something and not like I hear it a lot where friends kind of expect uh, you know lower rates and free work from people and yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you know there's a different level to that but it's nice when friends understand how much work goes into something and just sort of encourage an artist in that way um and just say you know you're doing a really good job like Mm -hmm. because we're working alone all the time it's really nice to hear stuff like that once in a while yeah Okay, good, good. I think, yeah, and I think that's helpful too because that's doable. Like you said, wherever you're at and your ability to purchase art, because I mean, I even have a few friends who are artists and I love the work that they do. Our salary is just not at the point where we can afford the work that they do, but right. we want it to be valued at that level. So one day we will absolutely have their art in our house. Um, but that's encouraging to know that for now there are still plenty of ways to uh, get their name out there. I hadn't even thought about when someone's asking or, mentioning that they're going to be redecorating haven't even thought about like mentioning them as a potential artist or a piece that they can add to that space so that's really cool that's really helpful yeah it's just like you know keeping them top of mind like Mm -hmm. you want to be their cheerleader in a way and it doesn't you know it looks different for everyone based on where you're at and it's I don't think Mm -hmm. anyone should ever feel pressure to like buy your art either because everyone has different personal taste as well but um yeah just keeping them top of mind and positive encouragement you know being there for them through the struggles because they might not have co-workers that they can run ideas Mm -hmm. off of so um it's been for me anyway like having other friends that are also freelance it's been really nice to have other people to bounce ideas off of so um yeah if ever you're like just checking in, like, how are you doing? Or, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. What are you working on? Showing a genuine interest. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, this whole podcast is called More with Nikki Dutton. And the reason I came up with the word more is because I just felt like I had all of these people that I would see, whether I knew them as personal friends or um, that I followed on social media that I saw that they were just like pulling and extracting this piece of life um, out that I had not ever considered before. So the whole idea is just for the conversations that are on this podcast to help other people look for the more in their everyday life around them. So what is one way that you're finding more in your life right now? Yeah, I would say, well, like I mentioned, gardening is a big thing for me. Mm. Um, And one thing I've been focusing a lot on recently is um, finding more in less. Like I've been trying to figure out how to live more minimally, especially with the products that I'm using. I'm trying to be more mindful about things that I buy and, you know, the whole sort of thing on consumerism and um, I've been just trying to appreciate all the little things in life. Yeah, I think what you're saying is perfect. Like that more doesn't have to come through like abundance or like getting more or even like greed. You can actually find more in having little that has purpose to it. Definitely. I think going through a pandemic and being at home for so long, I found myself being very, like starting to become very, not very materialistic, but kind of more finding joy in material items because we're just kind of confined and, you know, the things around us bring us joy, but um, sort of being back out in the world after a pandemic, not to say that it's like over, but um, being able to enjoy life a little bit more, you kind of realize like there's so much out there that brings us joy. Like we don't need to be buying all these different things and, um, you know, using all these different things that take so much energy to make. So it's just little things like I've been finding um, these um, stores in our neighborhood that are eco stores where you can bring your things and like refill them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that stuff right now is just making me so happy. Like the fact that people are putting so much work into helping protect the environment. And Mm -hmm. um, that's a theme that I kind of want to work on in my art as well going forward. So um, I think that's looking for more in life is also like kind of (laughs) scaling it back for me and seeing the Mm -hmm. simple things, like how can we enjoy these simple things in life fully? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I saw someone recently who threw, I think it was at her two-year-old or three-year-old birthday party, and the request was for all gifts to be like thrifted or like hand-me-downs. I love that. And even something so small as that, I had just never thought about that, that you can still gift in a way that is like aware of the of the earth and more eco-friendly. And um, yeah, I, I've been thinking about that a lot too. And even in the work that I do for my full-time job, um, I work for an anti-human trafficking organization and we talk a lot about labor labor trafficking and how that can sometimes come through fast fashions and these different products that we use and so I think you're I definitely think you're on to something just being more aware of where things come from and how they can be used and leveraged and that can really give you more purpose in life even though it's not more items in your house which right. is just kind of a different mindset yeah yeah exactly it's just kind of scaling back and appreciating mm-hmm. something 
in a more simple way. Um, just to give yeah. you an example, like as you were saying that, um, we had Father's Day this last weekend mm-hmm. and yep. I had prepared a cute little painting of a recumbent bike for my dad because he's been wanting one of those for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And we ended up just going to a thrift store and finding a nice little frame and a cute mug mm-hmm. for him. And I just brought it in like a tote bag and I was like, okay, close your eyes. Here you go. And But um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really nice to feel like you're not kind of adding too much waste into the world and um yeah so that's something that's been kind of on my mind a lot lately yeah Yeah. that makes sense for me for you too because if you're living more this like coastal beach life when my husband and I were living in California I felt like we were so much more aware of things because we were more in touch with the world around us versus like being in a city and just not really even getting out into nature as much so that makes sense to me that that would be like kind of on your heart for sure yeah yeah I hadn't thought of it that way but I think that's very true like being close to the beach and seeing all the nature and everything I'm like I really want to protect this you know like it's our home and it's so beautiful like I don't want to be buying things that just end up polluting these things so um, yeah yeah, I'm sure that's a huge part of it as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well Sabina is there anything else that you would add that we've missed or if people want to find you and your work like where are the best places for people to do that um, so I'm really active over on Instagram. Unfortunately, my last account was hacked and I had to I start think I over. saw that. Yeah. yeah. So um, I've created a new account. It's Sabina Fenn Illustration is the username. Um, unfortunately, I fell victim to a phishing link. So just be careful mm-hmm. when you get those emails. Um, it looked very real yeah. to me, but it, obviously yeah. it was a scam. Um, oh yeah. So you can find me over on Instagram. I also have my Etsy shop, um, which is linked through there. And then I've also been posting YouTube videos a bit more frequently. I'd like those. Yeah. 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 It's been fun for me. It's kind of nice to share a bit more of my story in that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I feel like I connect with people a bit better through YouTube. So, um, yeah. And aside from that, um, I'm working on a big uh, collection with a company called I am Phi. They're based out of the UK and throughout the summer, we're kind of doing this big collection together. So you can keep Mm -hmm. an eye on that. Uh, hopefully in the fall that'll be launching. So, So fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. Like I told you before, I I kind of feel like this is surreal because I just (laughs) found Yara. Love you so much. So just appreciate you saying yes and for taking some time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here.